Newsmaker line and standing by from Washington, D.C. It's the White House correspondent for Real Clear Politics, Philip Wegman. Philip, good afternoon to you, sir. Happy Tuesday. Hello. There we go. How about that? Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you now. There you go. Yeah, see, when you're when you're talking, if you're on the air with me, Philip, you know by now you have to holler really, really loud because there's, <laughs> there's a lot here to overcome. So how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me a little bit earlier today. Yeah, that's fine. And, and you had a little schedule conflict, and always glad. We're glad to have you whenever we can, uh, not at 2 in the morning, of course. Uh, but uh, so with everything going on, are, were you surprised uh, with everything that happened in on the way to the appointment of a speaker for the Republicans? I, I sat up until... 1, 1.30 in the morning, whatever it was, very early on Saturday morning, and, and saw him placed in office and everything. And maybe I'm just an idiot, but to me, it on the 15th ballot, it actually almost felt anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that you're right, because on the 15th ballot, we had already seen that mess of lawmakers go up, go up to gates, um, plead their case, yeah. and the camera captured it. Uh, the camera captured uh, Gates acquiescing, and at that point, um, I didn't even watch the 15th ballot because we knew the result. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's interesting because there was a lot of drama, there was a lot of frustration. Many of the House Republicans, um, they did not want that messy fight on the floor. They were ready to go with, McCon- with McCarthy from the get-go, uh, but... These guys, with their mutiny, uh, they were able to secure some rule changes, um, some some committee assignments, and I think that as a result, we're going to have a much more conservative uh, House of Representatives, which, uh, if you're a conservative, is something you should be happy about. No, I think that's exactly right. And on the face of it all, I mean, six months from now, I don't know that anybody will look back and go, oh, well, what the House is doing right now, that's because of a lot of the acquiescence he did to become Speaker. That's not even going to be in our realm of thinking. It's going to be the challenge of McCarthy to keep that caucus together because if he um, doesn't hold the line like he has promised, he will. And for some time, um, McCarthy has insisted that he is ready to uh, push back against the White House and really be a check against President Biden. If he uh, doesn't, um, you know, follow through, I could certainly see a challenge from the right. Uh, being mounted against him. Um, But, you know, what I found so frustrating was it was really difficult to understand what a lot of these um, folks on the the right flank wanted. Uh, In a way, you know, that fight perfectly reflected the fact that the House of Representatives, it's a majoritarian institution, it's an institution that's supposed to directly represent the people, and at times uh, it, it was anything but organized. You know, when I look back, um, because everything that happened over the last week on the floor of the House of Representatives happened because there was no red wave, there Mm -hmm. was no red tsunami, there was barely a red trickle, and I think somebody, other than who's on the floor in the House of Representatives right now, is more responsible for that than Kevin McCarthy or anybody else, and I think... Republicans are going to have to look back and say, are the people that are out there during the course of a campaign who are aligning people to campaign, to be the candidates, to go after whatever we're doing, if we don't solidify that, I I think we took way too much for granted. And that's an argument that a number of Republican challengers who have their eye in the White House really want voters to work their way through. 
Um, from the beginning, Donald Trump's uh, brand has been that he's a winner, he knows how to win, he's a fighter, he knows how to get things done. But if you look at his track record, um, you know there are some uh, candidates who lost uh, when they they probably um, you know an alternative probably would have had a, a much easier time winning. Um, you know, both in that, the House of Representatives, but also the Senate. Uh, and that was with, uh, you know, Trump backing some unconventional candidates who certainly, um, you know, uh, were not the the safest uh, folks in a, you know, in a, in a general election. And, uh, you know, ironically, uh, he might have made the path to speakership that much more difficult for uh, McCarthy by, by backing some of these uh, candidates who... Um, uh, you know, did have more of a check of past who, who, you know, were a little less polished. Well, I, I will tell you this. Uh, it wasn't a red wave or a red tsunami or whatever. It also was not a Donald Trump tsunami. It was not, you know, well, Trump endorsed him, so that's it. That's down and done. Uh, there's no given with that here in this. And, and I'm wondering, and this is pure speculation. You and I have not talked about this. But when I look at that and some other people that have stood with him in the past, including his own daughter and her husband, uh, distancing themselves from him, I'm not sure that the the brass ring of Donald Trump is going to achieve anything this next time as it did the last time. Yeah, and the reason why is that it was very easy for Donald Trump in 2015 during that primary to say, what good is the Republican Party? How have you guys delivered – uh, these promises that you've made to the conservative base. He could point to immigration. He could point to um, you know, the, the state of the economy, so on and so forth. Uh, but now, if he runs, he can't just throw, throw uh, bombs. He can't just lob mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. Instead, he's going to have to defend his own record. Yeah, and, and you can only come down the golden escalator one time. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, people were so dazzled by how he came on the scene, and then in the first few debates when he would throw the bombs, it was cute at first because this was that guy that you know had the show on TV, and you're fired, and you know all, that whole bit, and it was kind of he can't run like that anymore. You like you said, you you now have a political record. You're not the outsider anymore. You're part of the inside, and I don't know that people are ready to hand the reins back to him. Well, let me ask you this, Pat. Do you think anything has really challenged? Has really changed since uh, when he declared he's running for no, uh, no versus after? Yeah, it was almost a non-event. Yeah, you you don't see the wave of people saying, "Oh, thank goodness, I didn't think he was going to say he was going to run again," and and they're running to his. There's none of that. Absolutely none of it. You know, but but you know, and and of course, there's going to be a division between he and Mike Pence, who was here in Fort Wayne two weeks ago and was on our show. Um, and his book that's out, which I thought uh, whether Pence is going to run this coming presidential time or not, I thought the timing of his book and the way that he put it out where it reads um, as a true account for things that happened and not an over-the-top flamboyant vein standing out in the forehead screaming kind of a thing, I thought that was very smart on Pence's part. But I think it also put, took some of the fangs out of Donald Trump for going after him. Mm-hmm. And we'll see whether or not the base uh, has an appetite for Mike Pence. Certainly, he's not as exciting as Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. But there is a theory of the case uh, that 
you can have populism without a really uh, wild in your face populist. And frankly, um, Donald Trump opened himself up to some attacks from uh, social conservatives where he posted on his uh, Truth Social, his equivalent of, of Twitter, a statement complaining that pro-life voters didn't come out uh, in November, that they didn't support Republicans during the midterms after um, the, re- the reverse of, of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. There's nothing in the polling to suggest that uh, social conservatives didn't show up. Well, um, if, if you've got some people on the right and they're maybe on the fence whether they're going to jump in and support you or not, if you want to make sure that they don't, drive a wedge with them over the life issue. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the you know the social conservatives during a primary they have much more sway than during a general election. Yep. Um, especially if you have not just two or three candidates running for the nomination, but instead you have uh, a dozen or more. Well, and, and that's true, too. Do I do I think that we'll have 12 to 14 at the start of a debate series on the Republican side like we did before? No, I don't. I think it could easily be six to eight. Um, and I th- I think his biggest threat, um, my, my personal thought, and that's all this is, okay? I've got nothing to back this up. Uh, but I, I would not be surprised if it's not Pence on the platform this time. And if he just bides his time another four years, he'll be young enough. And he can get a little bit of the shadow of Donald Trump off of him and come out and run as his own. I think Trump's biggest threat is going to come uh, in the form of a DeSantis. And what we're going to find out is whether or not Ron DeSantis can hold his own on a debate stage with Donald Trump if, in fact, he decides to get into the race. Because you mentioned the age component uh, with Mike Pence. Certainly he's much younger than the former president. But so is Ron DeSantis. Yep. And I think that that is absolutely a factor for some of these guys uh, who might have gone through the ringer when they ran for the House or, you know, the Senate or, or, or a governor's mansion. But maybe they just don't want um, the really messy, ugly fight uh, with a, a candidate who, who remains one of the most popular uh, people in the Republican Party, despite um, some of the, the controversy that has followed uh, his time after office, uh, you know, overtaking Trump, um, you know, he might have been weakened in the last two years, but it, it's still a, a Herculean task. It's still Donald Trump. Um, we've got about two minutes left. Let me ask you this, going back to what we said earlier, if in fact um, someone else is found, whether by actually saying it or appraisals, someone else is really, really, really more responsible for what it is that happened or didn't happen on the Republican side in the in the election we just had in 2022. Two years from now, Rona McDaniel, is she still in charge of the RNC? I think that Rona McDaniel, she's going to have an election in February at the RNC uh, retreat. That's where the delegates um, get together and vote for her. She's done a, a really good job uh, shoring up um, her support. I don't know if uh, those delegates are going to hold her responsible. Um, I, I think that, you know, Kevin McCarthy's moment of responsibility has, has come and went. He was certainly um, punished, might not be the right word, but he was certainly chastened, and he, he lost a lot of power with the speakership after this revolt on the right flank. 
you know, we'll see, um, you know, if in two years uh, voters are still upset about the way that, you know, the midterms were handled, or maybe voters will be so eager to, uh, you know, rebuke the Democratic Party that they won't care about what happened in 2022. Um, I was reading, not my own numbers, but numbers I gleaned from somebody else where they did, since her time as election of the chair of the RNC, we have had a net loss of seven governorships, three seats in the Senate, 19 seats in the House, and the presidency. That's not exactly a stellar record. You know, uh, that kind of reminds me of people who are putting together all the numbers on uh, the Colts general manager, Chris Ballard. Uh Uh, Certainly, you know, with Ronna McDaniel, there have been um, some election seasons where she just cleaned up, right? In 2016, Republicans, uh, they did quite well. Uh, but they, they lost the House and the Senate in, in 2018. Uh, they, they lost in 2020. They lost in 2022. Um, you know, some of, of these folks who thought that, um, you know, being in an establishment office could, could save them from criticism, uh, turns out that they might be sorely mistaken. You know, may, maybe it's just me. Uh, and you've got your finger on the pulse of a lot more places than just Indiana, although you're from here. Um, but when I listen, when I listen to people that serve us right now in the House, those who are in the Senate, those who are down at the State House, I don't really hear a lot of them leaning a lot on Rona McDaniel. Am I missing something? I, I think that that is uh, because of the nature of the job and the institutions. Uh, a lot of time when you are going to um, press the party committee uh, that's separate from the the legislative work and the fundraising work that a lot of the get a lot of these guys do um, on a day to day basis. But uh, you, know, you you better believe uh, that these members of Congress they've heard the criticism and they watched uh, the the tightrope routine that McCarthy had to do uh, to be able to pick up the the gavel and, and win a weakened speakership. I think they're also looking at, um, you know, Ron and McDaniel and saying, look, you have to, you have to provide results. There's only um, so many things that are outside of your, your control. We all need to get on the same page and uh, we need to win one. As always, thank you very much for today. I know that you had a shifted schedule and just a lot of balls. You're trying to keep balanced there at the same time. Thanks that you found a way to still get us in there today. Always appreciate it. On Tuesdays from Inside the Beltway, the uh, Real Clear Politics representative there at the White House, our own Philip Wegman. Philip, thanks a ton. Hey, thank you so much. Yep, talk to you again soon. Philip Wegman from Real Clear Politics. We'll be back with more straight ahead. This is Pat Miller on Mobile 1190 AM, 107.5 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.